No, it's after the haircut, you don't have hair. them wash your hair? Oh, no. No. That's the mambering time, man. Come on now. They, like, rub your head and stuff. That's my favorite part. So they always have upcharges in these places, right? Do you want the scalp massage? Do you want whatever? And I have a game that I play every time I go. If you, if you ask, I will say yes. It's a game. I don't tell them this. They have no idea they're playing this game. <laughs> but I play this game is who's going to ask? And I will say when I used to go to sports clips, the weird ways they we have use a system. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Those like stupid ways to amuse me. When you have no hair, you have to figure out some way to amuse yourself at the salon, right? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BizDev Podcast, the podcast about developing your business. I am David Baxter, your host, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Gary Voigt. I need to think of something pithy and funny to say, but I'm not witty enough. I just can't. I want to, but it doesn't come out. I need to think these down and write them up so I can make fun of you properly. Oh, well, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Great intro. (laughs) Uh, the BizDev Podcast is about is a podcast about your business, about tech news, about software, uh, leadership, all these fun things, all stuck together in a beautiful pate of knowledge. A charcuterie eh? board eh? of tech a and A charcuterie of knowledge, knowledge, if you will. <laughs> oh, that's nice. The charcuterie of podcasts. A little snooty, a little weird. Experts in code. There you go. That's and us. perhaps pepperoni. So today, what are we talking about, Gary? Well, our trending topic for this week is a trending topic that's affecting everybody and uh, something that I kind of find silly, but everybody else thinks it's a huge, huge deal. The bye-bye crypto. Crypto is tanking. Bitcoin and NFTs and anything related to the whole Web3 financial in- Entanglement of, you know, decentralized currencies is looking pretty bad. You know, Chevy just did an NFT, and it was an image. Of course, there are always images, and it was a green Corvette, and some famous artist did it. It was really pretty. You know, a cool image. It wasn't like so. Was there like a actual like painting or digital painting? digital painting? Yeah, really nice photo. And it okay. was it was of a, a Corvette. You know, looking really neat and flying through this digital city. And if you bought it, you got a cor- an actual Corvette that was the color that it is in the picture, which they don't sell. It's this lime green that they would have made specifically for this, and its VIN number would have been digital. So it would have been, like, it was a unique car. That was their Your shtick. car would have been an NFT. Okay. Well, it was a real car with an NFT. Are we and, getting a little out of hand here with what an NFT can be? Like, well, I think they're trying to enjoyed it to, when artists were getting paid for you know their work and stuff like that. But well, the, so I mean, the, well here's like, the, the the punchline of that is is no one bid on it. it no, no one bid on this thing. They was starting out at I think two hundred forty thousand dollars is what they were trying to do for this custom Corvette plus NFT, and not a single bid. And that's just I think it was a good example of of where we are i think it is yeah i was and when you we were talking in, in our slack um last week gary v vaynerchuk who you know love him or yeah. hate him he's got a lot of ideas he loves himself some nfts and he was saying I, I don't even understand this he had a post 
talking about in the future, you will buy an airline ticket that will also be an NFT. So after you fly, that airline ticket will have art associated with it that will have its own value and people might buy that token from you at a later date. And I'm like... Yeah, that's just crazy. I have no idea what that even yeah. means. I, 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 I buy a ticket to point, get on a plane. Then it's nothing. And then I don't need art associated with that. I, I don't understand yeah, I think at that. this point, a lot of the, the people who are heavily invested in NFTs who might have, you know, maybe extended a little further than what they expected and didn't see this coming with the crypto crash are probably just trying to find ways to promote NFTs and recoup some of their losses in any way possible. You know what I mean? Well, I think, I, I think you in off before we started, you said something that I I had never thought of, is that crypto can go to zero because there is yeah, nothing backing it. it. Never occurred it, to me. I mean, that no makes standard sense to hold it to. Yeah, like the dollar, even if it, it tanks, was can never to. go to zero. Right. There was well, yeah, and the economy based on the the dollar is built. It, the way the economy works is built around the dollar having meaning that meaning you know is based on the fact that there's an economy but if people don't give credit or meaning to a cryptocurrency because it's not it doesn't have an equivalent back to it then yeah it could just disappear well everyone likes to say that there is no difference between the dollar and crypto because the dollar is literally worth what someone says it's worth it's not tied to anything real anymore that's true but the difference between one versus the other, I think it could be simply said, the American dollar is tied to the world's largest economy that has been around yeah. for a couple hundred years and has a proven track record of stability. Value is a small percentage of the population saying that it's worth this much. It, that's it. And, if, and, they're, and they've proven to be fickle, right? There's dozens of these. And they come and go and their values shoot up and they crash over and over and over again because people get fickle and change their mind and whatnot. And now, but yeah, that's like not how a dollar works. In, any kind of emotional reaction in a market is going to, you know, affect the market in general. And especially when you see other companies, like I guess there's just recently a company named Voyager, who was a big, you know, hedge fund that was backing cryptocurrency or whatever is filing for, you know, bankruptcy and other huge companies like, uh, I guess there's another crypto hedge fund, hedge fund called Three Arrows Capital. That went completely bust last week. They just shut their doors. They have nothing. Um, there's a, another fund, Bankman Freed's Alameda Research. Um, that was one of Voyager's largest creditors, and it has an unsecured claim of $75 million. It'll never get. Yeah. I mean, so, but I these mean, are all just, smaller companies. It's not like you're seeing J.P. Morgan is failing right these were companies that rode this wave and now are dying on this wave. yeah okay yes. i mean there's but still people real people's money that's getting taken i guess i mean yes they invested in crypto but at the same time i think a lot of people had some some idea or hope that it was backed by some standard because they were told it it was it was supposed to have there was one cryptocurrency that was supposed to be equal to a dollar and that was the, name the um stable and that coin. was supposed to be the standard backing yeah the way that that yes, worked that, that was that supposed tanked. to be a standard that would never go below a dollar 
and it went. Below. Yeah, they went. I, yes, I heard a podcast like, about the that. dominoes started falling. You had to buy something, another crypto yeah, to uh, balance Marketplace them. was talking about that. They had to balance them, and it got so bad that it just it broke. Because the one that they were balancing against went to basically zero, and they had nothing to do, and so it pegged below a dollar, which, of course, everyone freaks and, and bails. And I, I don't know. It's funny. We have a guy on our team. And being Siwa. decentralized, there's no insurance or, yeah. We've had Siwa on the show before. Siwa loves crypto. And he's still buying crypto right now. He still buys crypto. He's he's a believer. He's a true believer. We had another guy who used to work for us. He works in a crypto company. Now, I don't know if he still does, but that those believers are there, yeah, man. No, they, he went to it. It was a NFT-based product. Game right? company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was supposed to be making... Um, yeah, based on bought. buying and trading NFTs as mm-hmm. part of the... Yeah, in-app purchases and stuff. I, and those people are not going away. Wow. So I'm I'm curious if in five years what happens. I think, we've said this before, I think blockchain will be around. I don't know if crypto in its current yeah. form will be around. So this week I wanted to talk about passion. Passion that you have for your job, passion that you have for your project or as a business owner the passion that you have behind the ideas and and the business that you want to build and i started to think you know how do you match the passion that a business owner might have with an employee or a team that has the same amount of passion for what they do in order to make you know whatever product or business even better i know you've always heard the phrase of either like a business owner or someone in charge saying, you know, how come I'm the only one that seems to be putting up 100% of my effort? How come I'm the only one that seems to be behind this? It doesn't seem like the people working for them might be as passionate as they are for the project. You see it. You see that a lot. I think that's a common question I've, I've been asked and I've seen asked on the web and stuff like that is why is, why am I working harder than my employees? <laughs> and the answer is because it's your company. I mean, that sounds so silly, but they don't own it, and you do, and you need to understand that and accept that as a business owner. Yeah, we've talked but about it in the past, and we've talked about putting in that time and energy off hours. When it's your baby, it's your baby, and you're going to always it's your baby, champion it, it 100%. And that's not going to change. You, what you can do is you can, tie, you can tag in what they're passionate about. That's the key. They're never going to be passionate about – no one's going to be as passionate about Big Pixel as me. Like it's just – as much as I would love that. Unless I'm starting to hand out equity, no one owns owns the company. I mean, and then and even equity is not some silver bullet, right? So the the key is though, every single one of our employees has a passion. They're here for a reason. If you're not engaging them on that passion level, then you're going to lose them. You're going to lose that engagement. There was a stat in my business group said that something like 76% of workers are not engaged in their jobs. I don't know if that percentage is exactly right, but it's way up there. And that is like sobering yeah. as a business owner. It's right? almost like you can't Think motivate. Think about money you're flushing down the toilet there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And time. And you can't motivate I mean, time, someone to that. be as passionate as you are about the same exact thing. But like you were saying, you can nurture that person's passion in a way that reflects, I guess, an appreciation or at least an understanding of the passion that you have and then 
maybe that gets matched on a level. You know what I mean? Well, you just find out what they love. Like you yeah. love design. If if I'm getting, why aren't you more passionate about big pixel? Well, that's the wrong question. How am I engaging what you love? That should be the question every business owner should be asking. How do you bring that passion out of them? Our devs love to solve problems. It's what they do. It's why they get up. Yeah. Coders don't want to code. They want to solve problems. And they're little problems. It's like coding is solving 500 problems a day. And they're little bitty things like, you know, an if statement, right? It's really simple stuff. But that's what feeds them. That's what gets them excited. And solving something they've never solved before. Again, it doesn't have to be a unique coding problem, but it's unique to them. You give them that. You allow them to shift gears. If, if a coder, for instance, is building the same code every single day, then they're going to get bored. They're going to lose interest. So one of the things we do to tap into their passion is we, we push them around a lot. They're on different projects from week to week often. What I find um, interesting and is... That's, our devs for sure like you just said they love solving problems and it's mm -hmm. it's not even just that they love solving problems they like taking just how many different ways can you solve this same problem and then that creates sure. a new problem of out of all those different ways which, which the one's best. the most efficient and then out of that it's oh, well man. which one's most efficient for the delivery system in which this problem has to be solved you know so it's like a it's almost like they create a loop to keep solving more and more little, little problems that eventually tackle a huge problem and turn it into something that's, that's kind of small and well, easily and there solved. Are, there are many coders who never get out of that loop. That's a whole different conversation, but they will get the analysis, paralysis by analysis kind of thing. Yeah, but I think they enjoy um, the journey just, as part of what you oh, were talking yeah. about oh, is their, their passion in coding it itself. It, it's not writing the code. The code is just the means to the end of the problem solving that they're passionate they about. want to solve problems yeah that's what they do and it's the means and code is the means in which they do that and i think changing that up and a writer is is wants to write and how do you do that a designer wants to create pretty things and cool flows if they're building the same thing over and over, it's another user screen really another profile screen they're going to lose interest right i need to do something different and the, this is how we build and tap into our passion. If you're not building 15 different products, you can't do what we're doing, right? We build a dozen products, different products every quarter, right? We're always moving around. That's our, our business. If you are building a, a piece of software or you're building jeans or whatever, you're doing the same thing over and over again, but there are different ways to tackle that, keep them engaged. How do you engage them? That's, that's your leadership problem, right? You are the leader. You know that Phil likes X and Janice likes Y. How do you bring that out? Because if you don't, you're going to lose them. Not in terms of they're going to quit, but they're going to be... I saw a thing on Reddit. They're not going to give <laughs> you um, the, the amount of, I guess you could say, attention, time, and devotion that you would expect. That you would hope, yeah. right? Yeah, I saw this thing on Reddit. This guy is like, I do as little work as I can without getting in trouble. I'm like, that's that the mindset is of the a lot worst of attitude. people. That's, I, I worked with oh, a I'm bunch sure. of people like that in the past, for sure. I don't want those people working for me. Not that I want you working overtime and stuff like that, but I, if I'm not tapping into that, then we are not. We're hiring, right? Right now, we're hiring a new dev uh, for a new project that's coming online uh, next month. And hiring's a beating. 
Um, but the key is, at least for us, is trying to find out what are you passionate about? What is it that gets you up in the morning? Can I fill that need? If the answer to that is no, then we part ways as friends, right? We're done. If I think I can, then that's what I'm going to do, right? That's, I, I, you, you love this. And I'm going to try to fill that bucket every day. That's my job as the leader. You know, it's, it's, it's little things. And sometimes it's, it's the rewards. It's <laughs> project manager, Carl. He loves milk. It's a, it's a thing. And that's how we reward him. It's a thing it is that we so tease funny. Him about, but yeah, it's a thing. We, that's how we reward him. He loves really high end milk, which is so strange. And I love it. It is, it just, it's Carl in a nutshell. And that's how we reward him. We, he's got a weird little passion and we get that. Other people love desserts. Other people like alcohol and we buy really high end alcohol when they do a great job. Uh, it, just whatever. Um, you tie into that because it, it can't always be work. If, if your passion is rock climbing, there is nothing I can do in Big Pixel to tap that. But what I can do is give you rewards and give you ways to go and do your passion by doing a great job. That's another way of tying in. I can't do everything. You're a dancer. Eh, sorry, dude. We're never going to dance at Big Pixel. <laughs> at least not get paid for it. Big Pixel tag um, team. <laughs> but it's it's how do you how do you tap that in there? How do you get them excited about coming to work every day? It could be that they man, I know if I do a great job that at the end of the quarter I might get a really nice bonus that allows me to do X. Yeah, this even kind of That's, taps into the uh creating a culture around the business with the team. Oh, it all gets yeah. related, right? I mean everything it's funny. It's like you guys talk about the same subjects all the time. Well, it's all related, right? Leadership is tied to culture. Culture is tied to passion. Passion is tied to doing your job. These are, it's a big circle. Running a business, and again, it doesn't matter what kind of business it is. You're all dealing with the same thing. At the end of the day, you're dealing with humans. I heard a, my neighbor, we were sitting outside for 4th of July the other day, and we were sitting out on the porch, and he used to be a developer, and now he's in management. I don't know where he works specifically, but he works for a larger company. And he's like, you know, I miss being a coder when I had to go in and type and do my thing, and then I was done. I went home, and I was good. He said, now I have to deal with people. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's a huge shift, man, and it's a totally different skill set. I remember we worked with a client years ago. We just built their website. I can't even remember what they did. They were over in Austin. But I have always had in my mind one of my favorite things. They had a chief happiness officer, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. There was just She was young. you know, It wasn't like some huge CEO kind of position. She was a young person and her job every day was to make everyone in the company happy. And so now this is pre COVID. So everyone was in the office and all of that. And, but she was also, her job was also to write blogs and say, Hey, this is how we build culture because that was, they were in a competitive field. Hiring was hard. That's what separated them. That's why they got such great people for us. What we try to do when we're hiring and no one can steal this. So if you're listening, you're not allowed to steal this. What we try to do is we try to make sure that our developers know that they're heard and that their concerns are taken care of. We, you know, overtime is a real thing for developers. We don't burn them out. We care a lot about their mental health. We want them to feel appreciated for their hard work. 
that is what we try to do to separate as opposed to you're just a code monkey, get to work and deliver your stuff. For this conversation, the key is, can we do what they're passionate about? Can we, how do you, can we, my, how do you detect my, or find that passion in someone that you're considering hiring as well? Like, how, can you just try to listen to what they're saying and having a regular conversation with them and try to pull pieces out that they seem to express a little bit more enthusiasm about and then kind of nurture that conversation to see what they are passionate about? What we do. So you, you can't really get personal in, in interviews. That's, that's kind of a line that's really hard to cross. Um, when you're in your hiring, so we can't go there. Like I can't know you love rock climbing unless you just voluntarily tell me that. Right. Um, so what I try to do is, Hey, if you could have your ideal job, what would you get up and do every day? You know, and obviously they're going to talk about development and what they love to do. That's great. You yeah. can talk to them about their pre previous projects. They light up. I mean, one of my things that I love to be able, that I'm good at with people is I can, get into their heads on that and pull that out of them. It's one of the things I've been able to do for developers forever. You can get a developer to get passionate, especially when they talk about their work. And so if I say, Hey, tell me about your favorite project or your, you know, back end work you've done recently or whatever, you can see the glaze come on when they're talking about database work. And then they talk about front end stuff and they just light up, right? You can, it's real or vice versa, right? You can see what they love really easy. Since the hiring process is right now kind of just, I guess you could say it's it's a step up from what it was because of the way everybody's looking for someone, but people have so many options out there that they're not you know, taking the first or second job offer they're getting. They're just staying out there and, and switching and going back and forth. If you were not a business owner hiring a dev for us, but let's say you had a startup and you were going into the next phase of development and you needed help, you needed to hire someone. What, instead of a contractor, would you be looking for a team? Someone like a, a small team that has, you know, developers and project managers that are already kind of into what they're doing. And you know that since they already have a passion for what they do, it might be a little bit easier to connect the two teams instead of just hiring someone raw and trying to get them on board. Well, so when it comes to startups, I am, a, I'm horribly biased and I will tell you that right off. Obviously I run an agency, but when it comes to startups, I'm always, if assuming they've raised a, a good amount of money, right? They're not bootstrapping. They have $20,000 to them or whatever. They've got real money behind them. I've always said it's better to go with an, an agency initially because you probably, you know, I've got some money. I can hire one guy. Okay, cool. And that one guy, you know, maybe he's a hundred thousand dollar dev. That's what you, that's your budget. But that guy's going to be really good at something. He's not going to be great at everything. I mean, those unicorns exist, but they're very rare and they're very expensive. So that guy's going to be really good at front end development. And then, but he, he he's barely adequate at database design for whatever reason. Uh, and so, or he can't think of scale cause he's never dealt with that before. That's the difference when you're getting started, you can't afford a team yet. You also can't manage developers. Developers are little snowflakes that are interesting human beings. They are all very particular and they all have their own quirks. And if you've never dealt with that, it will melt your face. You just don't get it. You, you won't understand the quirks of being a developer like someone who manages developers every single day. 
So hiring that initial team, I think I've always said an agency is, a, is it's not necessarily cheaper. Of course it's not cheaper, but the bang for your buck is Better way, value. way higher. You're going to be having a lot of people who are really good across multiple disciplines who are going to be thinking about your project rather than one guy who wants to try something new and he pulls something out that is, we had, we had, this is a true story. We had a guy, he had, they had one internal developer and then they hired us. They raised some money and they hired us. When he was building, he decided he was going to use the beta version of, I think it was Angular at the time. He was so far ahead that there wasn't stack overflow. There wasn't any of the stuff that developers use to help answer right. questions and, and keep moving. So he was having to read tutorials and little snippets and stuff because he was so far out front. And it took forever to do anything. And the man, the owner, the startup founder, had no idea this was happening. And that's that's what you know what I'm saying. It's it. This things happen. Now, that's a horror story. They don't always happen that way. But that's. I think once you get to the point where you have something, and you have the money, and you're getting revenue, and you can start building up a team, that then offsets that, the external team. That's great because you know your consulting or agency can work well with that internal developer and that person. Okay, my my database going to be my guy, and you guys are going to do the front end. Okay, great. And then slowly but surely they build up their team, and then. Our job is to get rid of our own job. Yeah. Does that make sense? Where we train those people up, and then we go away and we part as friends. That's fine. That's part of That's our life cycle. The part of our passion. That. Obviously, we'd love well, to stay if forever. We, if we're going to bring it back together, just jumping into the new projects. That's something that we're very passionate mm -hmm. about instead of doing the repetitive stuff over and over and over again. Of course, we love having clients that stick with us for a long no, time. No, that doesn't mean we don't no, love no, our long-term clients. good because it's, there's always something new to do We love them. We love them very much. There. So... But also yeah. being yeah. introduced to a new project or a new idea from a new startup, like that gets us fired up. We're like, oh, we love this idea. Where where can we take it? How you know? How far can we go? How how much time and, and dedication can we put in this to make it even better? All right. So to keep on the the subject of passion, I'm going to transition. This is going to be a segue worthy of Conan O'Brien's Late Show back in the day. So, are you ready for love, or are you ready for thunder? Oh my gosh! Oh man, I need to drink. Thor: Love and Thunder comes out this weekend, and I am my so excited. Younger daughter's birthday is today, and one of her presents, she asked as soon as we knew this movie was happening, she's like, "For my birthday, can we go see it? Can, I, can we go see it? Can we go see it for my birthday?" So, of course, we're gonna go see it this weekend. But do you already have the tickets? one thing about uh, what? Did we already, you get already tickets? have tickets? No, get tickets. But, Dude, you got to get tickets. You know it's going to be sold out. Come on now. Yeah, it might be. We have now. Maybe your town is not a movie town. Here. Man, my my certain movies. This is going to be one of them. We will be. We're not a movie town like Dallas is where I grew up. And seriously, now this is before when I was a kid. You know, you had to stand in line, right? Yeah. Back yeah. in the day, when we would we would stand in line for three hours for a big movie, and just wait there. Where That's I not am, a thing it's. Anymore. I think we have like six or seven pretty big theaters near us. Okay. And when in some a movie like this comes out, I mean, it's literally playing every sure. you know hour or half hour in multiple theaters in all in every single one of these theaters. So sure, it's not a it's not a matter of not being able to get there. You might not be able to get the the seats in you the, want the big, the theater big one that you though, right? want. 
Yeah. Well, you do. You uh, kind of want the the IMAX. That's you, for sure. You want but, the um, big. I mean, I'm not even saying the big. Like every theater has like. And one of the things I've learned recently is 3D doesn't do well, and so if you're gonna go see a 3D version of it, it's always in the small theater. It's not the big main theater. You know what I'm saying? In, inside the the complex. They'll put it in the back somewhere. I'm like, no, yeah, man, I'm not even. I want the big one. The 3D, the digital 3D, to me, doesn't really add. Oh, no, it's enough. worth it. Yeah, I just it's say not, it's three extra. I'd rather dollars. just see That's something with like crisp graphics and great sound. Uh, the the 3D thing is just a layer that I don't really care for because I don't want to wear those glasses for two. Oh, I agree with you. I but I will say sometimes that is a a trick in to get in into a very popular movie. Because not as many people want to see 3D, so you can go and sneak in on opening weekend. That's how we saw uh, Doctor I think Strange for the, too. Wasn't there a Star Wars? One of the more recent Star Wars that was released in 3D. Oh, they they are all they all the prequels. I think that's were the last prequels. time I went to one, and we were just like, no, we regular see 3D. Fine. We see 3D pretty regularly, only because it allows us to sneak in. I don't like 3D. Now, I will say the one movie I will see in 3D because it's still to this day the only movie I've ever seen in 3D that was worth it. Avatar. James Cameron. Oh no, I did see the 3D version. I that did see the movie 3D version was in amazing in 3D, and it, and that's what I was hoping because it was one of the first ones. I was like, "This is what 3D movies are like." Yeah, uh, flying through the the like mountain uh, island, and they just they had like moats yeah, like floating awesome. through the air, like right in that's front of true. you, like they were yeah, giving yeah. depth. And I'm like, "This is what 3D is." I'm excited, and then there hasn't been in ten years. There hasn't been another movie that's been that good in 3D. And so I will for because they invented like new cameras and stuff just for that movie to be in 3D. So I am ready for Avatar two way of way of water whatever. Um, it's gonna be like four be hours 3D. long, like four and a half hours. It's long. going to be yeah. I'm sure there's gonna be an intermission. You have to take a potty break. Um, I am so stoked for for Thor though. It's got yeah. Really what good I wanted to say too, is so. just uh, who's your favorite Marvel director and why is it uh, Taika Waititi? Because he <laughs> he is he flipped is the script, amazing. Man. He when he added just his creative touch and his comedy and his little like humorous sensibility in Ragnarok, like that mm-hmm. kind of you saw every movie Marvel made after that took pieces you know from the Ragnarok, I guess you could say formula, and added like the little a little bit more sarcasm here and there, a little bit vul- more like the, the silly vulnerabilities that the characters will display and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just, it, it was a great, I will great say addition he is... to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to add him as a director, and I can't wait to see this one because I think he's going he a little bit further than amazing. he was probably allowed to go even in the first one. Yeah, they say it's even more so, the reviews I've seen. What I think, I think he's great, and I think he's perfect for Thor because he's now this kind of comedy. Yeah, he can never do like Batman world. or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, like, in so in some things, he would not be a good fit. Like, I don't think Captain America, in whatever version, old or new, true, he's, true. it's a ser- more gritty, right? Some of these guys are more gritty. Some of them, I think he'd be great at, like, Ant-Man. I would love to see an Ant-Man take a routine. I don't see Guardians. Taika. Guardians would be perfect for him, right? So there are certain ones I think would work and certain ones that... Well, but James Gunn, I think, is you yeah, don't need to too. change James Gunn. He's yeah. he's Guardians is what Guardians is, and that's I'm I'm looking for number three, and then it'll be over. Um, okay. well, but one tweet that I saw that Chris Hemsworth Thor put out, um, I guess while they were finishing up the movie, 
like a, he asked Natalie Portman, he's like, Hey, you know what? I think, I think I might have a really good role for you. I'm, I'm going to be doing some new star Wars stuff. Have you ever been in star Wars? And Natalie Portman looked him in the face and was like, yeah, I've done a little bit of Star Wars. And Chris just said he fell on the floor laughing. Like, that I guess is awesome. He didn't remember seeing her in Star Wars because he gets so consumed so he in the projects that he acting? does. Huh? He was seriously asking her? I was thinking he was joking. He actually yeah, didn't no, realize Yeah, no, he was she, asking oh, because... how funny. The way that we were explaining it is that he gets so like involved in the projects that he's doing at that time that like his brain doesn't really have much more room for things that he's done in the past or things that he's going to do in the future. And mm. he's given Ted talks and stuff like that, talking about how he just engulfs himself into these like little creative spaces. And he, he obsesses, he calls it a problem, but he obsesses on these little things in small pockets of time and forgets everything around him. And then once mm. that pocket is complete and over, he said, then he drives himself crazy thinking it wasn't good enough until he moves on to the next thing he can excess, obsess about to gain more sanity of closing himself off from everything else again. So the That's way he crazy. describes his creative process was it's pretty funny. But hmm, I didn't see that. It was, and then once he realized that, he was like, oh, yeah, you were like, you know, the queen. Huge, <laughs> huge part of that, yeah. <laughs> kind of like yeah, Leia's and Luke's mom. Yeah, spoiler alert. So. Oh. <laughs> That's like 15-year-old revelation. I think you're okay. I think you're all right. Okay. Well, I'm going to leave now and go see Thor. No, it doesn't come out yet. Well, it now I'm going to go reserve tickets because you're making me nervous. So you got to reserve it, especially for the birthday. You can't flub it and she's in the bad seats, right? Come on now. It's birthday time. It's time to man up, buy the tickets. Right. She doesn't hear this. That's okay. Silent. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. As usual, yeah. if you have questions, where can they go? Anytime you want to get in touch with us, ask questions, leave comments, suggestions, whatever. You can email us at hello at thebigpixel.net. And you can also visit our YouTube page, leave comments below any of the videos there. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We will talk to you next time. See ya.